Hey everybody, here we are. Shogun the Mooney, episode 79, uh, December 4th, 2021. I'm here as always with Shug. Shug, how you feeling? Good, man. Um, kind of upset because the Yankees haven't done anything and M- MLB is totally locked out now. The, the owners have locked out the players. Um, it's the first labor strike since the famous um, 1994, 1995 lockout um, MLB strike. Which was interesting. Which was interesting because all the previous MLB strikes happened like in season 1981, 1994. I think we talked about that at some point during one of those like topics. And you know it was crazy. You know Rob Manfred. Like if you've been listening to us, you know like I've um, not enjoyed his tenure as commissioner. A lot of people have not liked how he's handled things. Um, but to be fair, uh, Tony Clark, the head of the MLBPA, like he hasn't really, um, handled things well either. And, uh, it's ineptitude on both sides. So I tell, um, MLB fans, like if you were hoping to see baseball in March or April of next year, like, you know, strap in, um, I don't think it's going to be as dire as like the COVID season last year where it started in like late july and august but you know i wouldn't be shocked if like you know we don't see baseball until like past memorial day um because you know the contention is like a lot of people you know they want to have players get paid earlier that's what mlbpa wants the owners don't want that which is crazy like you would want to pay like i i'd feel more comfortable as a fan my team paying players like while they're still in like their twenties, um, rather than paying them on the back end of their careers where like, you know, you're basically paying them for what they've done elsewhere, or you've paid, you're paying them for what they've done in the past rather than what they're going to do going forward. And it was interesting because I think, um, you know, usually right after a lockout, you see like, a lot of free agency moves, a lot of trades and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure you will whenever this one ends um, because there's still a lot of great free agents and a lot of um, players that are going to be available, especially if, like, the CBA, like, drastically changes. Um, Players might want to – teams might want to get rid of players. Teams might want to acquire players because now they have more room to exercise, you know, their spending and their – um assets um but yeah it was it was a really it was like a flurry of moves like back in um like right when free agency started a lot of you know if you've been watching the Mets the Mets Hmm. you know went off you know um you know we finally got to see Steve Cohen do his thing uh yeah so like you know you won't be seeing it for a while but yeah, that's true. Huh? And you're and you're a huge baseball fan, so like even like during January, March, you know, during like the the hot stove part of the year, like you're way into it, and yeah. we're, we're not gonna have that, you know. And in '94, a lot of people like kind of abandoned uh, baseball for a while. They were kind of like, uh, I'm not into this anymore. And it took a while, you know, for people to come back. And of course, it took the whole, uh, you know, the whole steroid uh, era, you know, really for people to get, oh wow, dingers, you know. And then they came back. Uh, so that's this isn't a good look for uh, MLB because they're losing fans as it is. You know, uh, the young kids who will watch it. Yeah, uh, they have so many different distractions now. Like they're gonna be like, all right, then I watch something else. You know. 
Yeah, it's like, um, you know, like, strike white while the iron is hot. And baseball does, like, the exact opposite. Like, they restrict media, you know, um, your ability to use their media and highlights and stuff like that. Like, they do less and less to grow the game. And there's fewer teams that are actually trying to win, um, which is interesting because I believe, like, one of the things that's probably going to come out of um, these, you know, the next CBA is probably going to be an expanded playoff. Um, and also, like, one of the things is, like, the DH, you know, they want to use the DH in both leagues because that creates more jobs. And, again, mm-hmm. it a lot of teams – in the American League, probably have guys on that bench who should be like regular players, but you know they have like an overlap in positions, and you know they can't use them as DH. So if like NL teams could get the you know get the ability to use a DH, like you know you could start sending those players to the NL, and you know people like scoring runs. I think the the American League scores way more runs than the National League, and to me, I think it's a lot more um, representative of a pitcher when he pitches well against a team where he's facing nine batters instead of eight and the pitcher. Um, so I'll be excited when it returns, but uh, I'm not holding my breath. It's it's going to be a while. So, guys, just dig in. And it's a shame because, you know, we went to the game two years ago, probably like last month, and it's going to be – how long is going to be until we go to the national game again? You know, we went to the Cubs, but at least we got a little, little, uh, little hint of it. Got a tight little one, but a uh, former Nick Cantor, uh, he's in the news. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about Enos Cantor. He's been all over the news. People have, um, you know, people have been, you know, been a buzz with him from basically all sides and. You know, as as we've seen, usually people who've never really watched basketball or been fans of basketball have been chiming in in his support. Um, I've seen one tweet and boy, it got like fried up where somebody says I would have prefer I would prefer Enos Cantor over LeBron James on my team any day. And I'm like, dude, you must love watching the NBA draft lottery because <laughs> You know, me, the one of the most, like, ardent LeBron um, haters, I couldn't even fix I, – I couldn't fix my mind to say I would prefer Enos Cantor over LeBron James because I've – as you said, former Nick, Enos Cantor has, you know, played for the Knicks – he played for the Knicks for about one and a half years. And um he was one of those people i just you know um i think like the first couple months of him um playing for your team you know he says all the right things and he seems like a nice guy and you know you like him and then you actually watch him play and then you're like geez like how can we get rid of this dude and his first season obviously on one of the worst nick teams of many uh, his second season, we had drafted Mitchell Robinson, who's now our starting center. And, you know, he was burgeoning in his rookie year. And Cantor was basically throwing hissy fits in the media and stuff like that. It was very, um, you know, a lot of players kind of like keep it on the wraps and keep it behind closed doors. But he was very um, open and 
out with the fact that like he was being relegated to the bench in favor of Mitchell Robinson. So that obviously showed like, you know, he's not like a team player. Um, and he's kind of selfish because, you know, his free agency was coming up. So he felt that like his value was going down and I'm like, dude, like people have seen you play. So like your value is going down uh, anyways. So he's been very vocal. And what I do know from his time with the Knicks is um, he's Turkish and he's actually been banned from the country of Turkey by the president of Turkey. And I believe his father was actually in prison for a while because of, um, you know, um, voicing his displeasure, like publicly, um, against the, the president of Turkey, uh, which is one of the things like, uh, one of the things he talked about this week when he appeared on Sean Hannity, um, because, you know, his thing is, uh, you know, over in like Turkey and China, uh, basically you're, you could be, there's really like, they don't have the same freedom, freedom of speech and freedom of protest that we have here. Um, and he went on Sean Hannity's show. And, you know, Enos Cantor has been in America long enough to know what Fox News is and what Fox, Fox News gives. And basically, Sean Hannity um, basically had him eating out of his palm because he led him into a question of, um, you know, just to give some background, Enos Cantor or Enos Cantor Freedom, as he's um legally changed his name to he became a legal u.s citizen on monday of this past week so i believe it was tuesday he went on sean hannity's show and sean hannity said wow you seem really proud to be an american uh what do your teammates think and you know he gave his answer he was like yeah because it seems that some of the teammates some of your teammates and some of the players in the league like they um, don't like the country or they 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 voice the displeasure of the country and they're not proud to be Americans and you know when they say that kind of stuff on Fox News what they're trying to insinuate so Enos Cantor basically replied that yeah they they um they essentially should like shut up and dribble because you know a lot of other countries don't even afford you the opportunity to speak your mind like how they do in America. And the, just the fact that he could say something like that lets me know that he doesn't really understand what it means to be an American and what it is about being American you could be proud of, and which is the fact that we do have freedom of speech and you can be able to criticize your country and point out like the deficiencies in our society. I mean, I don't know how you could be in an NBA locker room for I believe he got drafted sometime around like 2012, 2013. So he's been in the league for almost 10 years, if not 10 years or more. He's a veteran. So he's been in many an NBA locker room. He's been around many um, African-American player. Not only that, but I've, I believe I've seen him throw his support behind the WNBA players who actually, to me, WNBA players have been a lot more vocal in social injustice and fighting for equality than the NBA players, not to make it some kind of competition thing. I'm just saying, like, 
they're really like unsung, um, especially by people like Sean Hannity, where it's just like, you know, and the guy who said like he would prefer Enos Cantor over LeBron James. It's like you clearly don't watch basketball. So obviously these people wouldn't know anything about the WNBA. As a matter of fact, the only thing the they probably know about the WNBA is how the W the, the WNBA players basically mobilized to help um Raphael Warnock win in Georgia over Kelly Loeffler, who was a former who was owning an NBA a WNBA team at the time. Oh, it was definitely uh I mean it, very hypocritical of Cantor. Like the whole point of like the reason why I liked him was oh yeah, he stood up to his uh, you know, kind of like the president. Like, he stood up and he voiced his opinion and he came over here and you know. And then he did the complete opposite when he's here in America. And it's that's kind of like a uh, you see that a lot with people once they get over here, then they completely flip. And then, they, you know, it's like pulling up the ladder, you know, from like other people that want to come here. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. Uh, yeah, but you're right, though. Like he was charming when he got over here. I was oh, I like this guy. Yeah, I like him. You know, he was doing a lot of like cute little photo ops and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I saw another tweet. It was something about uh, he said something about like someone asked him about LeBron. And he says when he's not like he's not educated or some of like that. That was another thing that came up. Uh, again, it could be just lost in translation. Um, but yeah, but definitely, uh, very, like, that's the worst thing. Like hypocrite hypocrites is like the worst thing for me. And I tweeted, I was like, he, he's been an American for 48 hours and he took advantage of the most American thing ever, which is white privilege. Yeah. We'll give him the Fox News gave him the little, Hey guys, he's cool. Like, you know, he, yeah, and then, he goes, and then we all know like the reputation he play. he's currently playing for the Boston Celtics and we all know the reputation of the city of Boston. Um, so he comes out on a court, I think the other, the other day and he checks into the game and they give him like a standing ovation and people were like, this is like the least surprising thing ever coming from like, Boston. Remember, like Salabrini, they they fucking loved him, and he's you know he was like a third you know on the bench guy. And they would used to like give him like standing o, you know standing o's and stuff. Fuck ball, you know Boston. Um, and then he also has been going after Nike and LeBron James, and he's been going after LeBron because of you know Nike has their shoes made in China, and um you know I guess they you know Nike in the fact you know. I know in the early 2000s, you know, there was the whole like, you know, sweatshop stuff. And what I believe, like, all odds has been rectified because I don't think Nike would be able to be getting away with that stuff now. But um, I think his issue right now is the fact that Nike is doing the whole, um, you know, they're doing business deals with the Chinese government and, you know, Chinese businessman and and stuff like that and you know he's voicing his displeasure which is his right but he's gone after lebron james like personally and you know this i i hate this because this gets me into like having to defend lebron james but rightly so because lebron james has been very vocal about uh, in his time as like the face of the nba has been very vocal about, you know, Black Lives Matter and, you know, the the killing of um, Black people in this country, basically uh, extrajudiciously, whether by the police or by, you know, civilians. And, you know, Cantor was basically, 
you know, it's basically unfair that you're, you're going after. He was basically trying to say that, you know, LeBron is vocal about this thing, but he's not standing mm. up for China. And, you know, I will admit, like, LeBron did something a couple years ago, which I thought was really, like, insensitive. And I couldn't disagree with the people who um, criticized him for it. Um which pissed me off because a lot of people who were criticizing him were like people on the right. And a lot of people who are, who are covertly racist or overtly racist, um, you know, that criticized him for the fact that like he criticized Daryl Morey, who was then the GM of the Houston Rockets and now is the GM of the Philadelphia 76ers for speaking out against the atrocities going on in China. Um, and to me, I was just like, yeah, like LeBron is, is wrong. I guess he, um, he felt the need to criticize Maury because, you know, obviously he's, he has his own businesses. Space Jam 2 was about to come out. And, you know, if you don't say something, China might ban your movie. Cause I believe some movie, um, uh, I forgot who somebody's movie um just got banned or upcoming mm. movie got banned from China because they spoke out against you know the Chinese government um a while back but yeah I just thought it's it's ridiculous um you know again becomes a U.S. citizen and the first thing he does is like attacks a black man and you know that that speaks volumes and he's been you know coloring his shoes and writing messages on his he's been wearing nike shoes nike and jordan shoes um and has been writing like messages and anti-nike anti um jordan brand messages anti-china stuff on and you know he's able to get away with it because they've loosened like the, the footwear thing but it's interesting that he's speaking against nike but all the NBA jerseys have the Nike logo on it, but he can't mess with that because if he messes with that, he would get fined. So I'm like, you know, I just thought of it before we started. I was just like, why don't you try to rip off that Nike tag or cut it out and then try to play the game with it and get fined and pay those fines to, to you know, put your, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, and it's yeah, it, that's why it's complicated because like I agree with like, uh, but you know you got to respect other uh, you're doing business with other people and they have to, uh, other nations and other corporations and stuff and um, that's why like people were saying all the NBA players like you they're being uh, like censored they're not supposed to talk about China that's the whole thing, um, but then but then he does like something like Kendra does he's talking about that which I'm like all right I kind of like agree but then he does the whole thing with LeBron where I don't agree so it's very like. Uh, it's not like clear. It's not uh, clear and cut though. Uh, uh, or you know, because I totally I, I agree with like the whole corporation thing with like China and everything. We like in the movies, like they change things in movies, and then when they bring movies over here, like they don't change it. It's like kind of like that. I don't know, but it's business. And I always say, you know, if you want to do business with someone, you gotta, you know, you gotta make an agreement and stuff. And the U.S. and NBA are have a lot of money, a lot of business in China. So mm-hmm. yeah. All right, Chug, a lot of our favorite TV shows came back this fall. I mean, for me, a lot of my favorite shows came back. Um, but one of my all-time favorites uh, officially became the longest-running 
live action sitcom in America. Uh, we talked about it before on our show. We love it. Oh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Season 15, 2005. Then we're in 2021, 2022. That's very impressive. It's awesome. Um, and I like I heard they were they were writing the, the show, the the new season, a couple like you know six months ago. And I was like, oh, maybe maybe it'll be a year before it comes out. But no, it's already out. They released two episodes uh, this this week. Um, and before I ask you, uh, you know, what you thought about it, uh, about a month ago, they launched a podcast, the three uh, main guys, Rob McElhaney, uh, Glenn Howerton, uh, Charlie, Charlie uh, Day. They have a podcast where um, they talk about their shows, which is very unique because, hey, the show's on the air, so they're talking about their old episodes. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into that in a while. But, uh, Shug, uh, you watched it this week, right? Yeah. Nice little, um, nice little treat, right? Yeah, always interesting. Like you, you said, um, longest running live action sitcom. Um, it's crazy. Started watching our show when I was in high school. Now yeah. I'm like well a ways from graduating high school. We could have kids in uh, high school. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but it's just it's it's crazy, and um, obviously they've done episode we t- i think we talked about it when we did the sunny thing y'all can check that out on youtube um where they did an episode um kind of satirizing the fact that like they don't get much um attention when it comes like to war time and i think if you have a show that's been on for 15 years and essentially it's like you'd really have to nitpick to find like a bad it's always sunny in philadelphia episode and when i'm talking about that i mean like in the audience like people who watch the show where it's like eh i watched this episode like i've been watching curb and curb is not having it's like best season ever as like you know like maybe two episodes a season that's been like pretty good and the rest of them has been like subpar but for it's always sunny in Philadelphia. If you're a fan of the show, it's like you'd really have to nitpick to find a bad episode. Like the bad, I, I, I had a friend in college who always said, like, sex is like bad pizza. It's like even when it's bad, it's still like pretty good. Um, and it's the same thing with, um, it's the same thing with it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's like the worst episode, even if it's bad, it's like pretty good. Uh, it's just a testament that I'm not. There's still going strong and the first two episodes of this season they basically have have kept up their ability to make comedy as the time changes and much of their comedy is like satire anyways so you know the first episode was kind of tackling you know how um you know cancel i want to say cancel culture but you know like you said how um things that were previously accepted have been like expunged from media and it covered that and it covered you know representation and it also and then the second episode covered um you know basically the election and it was really interesting and especially like the twist at the end when it's revealed their their motivations and it's just incredible that they've gone on as long and then they've been so made they've expertly made 
um comedy um with the times and um they deserve a lot of credit for it and i just you know I, I say it like a million times that the fact that like they haven't won emmys i mean this show has been on for 15 years and i don't think it's gotten a, even a nomination for best comedy series and then a show you know uh, a show like brooklyn 99 where like i i said i should have brought it up too um in when we did the shows we gave up on um brooklyn 99 i watched the first season i enjoyed it because you know i'm a huge i mean not a huge but i was like a huge snl fan and i was a fan of andy sandberg but i watched the first season and i was just like it won best comedy in its first season and i'm like this season couldn't hold the jockstrap of any season of it's sunny in philadelphia and it's um you know, it's like that Rotten Tomatoes thing. It's like the critic score and then the audience score. Like, you know, if it was up to the audience and people who watch this always sunny in Philadelphia and get it, um, they'd understand uh, it, its quality. And, you know, they had the episode where Mac, um, the episode where Mac came out and I thought it was like not only one of the most beautifully done it's always sunny in philadelphia episodes but i think it was one of the best done episodes of any show dramatic comedic anything because the direction was great the writing was great the whole episode was just awesome and you know it was about you know he he came out and he was trying to seek acceptance from a person in his father who he's always tried to seek acceptance from and he's he never got the acceptance when he was thought to be straight um so why should it surprise anyone that he didn't get the acceptance when he came out as gay and he got the acceptance from his friends and he got the acceptance from frank and oh like i thought it was a beautiful episode and i thought like that episode alone should have garnered like um golden globe emmy something like some kind of award but that's my thoughts on it's always on in philadelphia yeah it's definitely um it's a unique show because it's a pick up and play show we're like oh you you let you laugh at the jokes but then there's like someone like us who, who we watch like every episode multiple times a series we watch this as you know early on uh and we get like the inside jokes and the running jokes and like the layer jokes um the second, you know, the one with the uh, Lethal Weapon 7, which is uh, very, very much talking about um, the, the fact that two of their episodes were taken from the streaming services. And they had a unique ability to reference to talk about that, like, through, not through like an article, not through like just like a just like a, uh, an interview. They were able to still talk about it on, while their show was still airing. Very unique. You mentioned Curb. Curb has the same ability because that's been on since 2000. They've had like 11 or 12 seasons, um, but he's not really addressing things in the past. These guys are very adaptable to the shows evolved. Uh, like I mentioned in the beginning, um, they have a podcast now and that, that that's not a unique thing. Like they have a thing called Talking Sopranos. It's about the Sopranos. They go through episode through episode, Michael Imperiali and Steve Sharipa. They talk about every episode. They have a guest. That show has been off the air for 14 years. A whole generation went by and there's a new generation watching it so you know that's not that crazy where it's like hey let's go back and watch i haven't watched this show since i haven't watched this episode in 20 years let's watch it so the three main guys rob McElhaney, 
uh, Clint Howerton and, you know, Charlie Day, they, they go through each episode. And I watched the first couple of the podcasts. They're, they're just, you know, finding their footing. There's like no real structure, but they seem very, very like they're distancing themselves uh, from like, the first season. And like, wow, man, I remember this and things like that. Cause it's, but they're still making new episodes. It's the same characters. It's the same universe. And it's like, it seems it's so foreign to them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, you know cause I mean? they, you know, you talk about like the first like season and like the second season, like I was thinking about, I've, I've been thinking about it like the last couple of weeks. Um, because like, even on like dating apps now, like if you just classify yourself as a female, like they pop, you know, they, it pops up. If it's like, if you are a man seeking women, like a trans woman would pop up in your your, your mm-hmm. timeline so i mean in 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 your you know as you're swiping so i was thinking about like the episode you know when mark was you know um had a relationship with a trans woman and even like the title of like the first episode where like she's introduced like she's it's called mac banks a tranny <laughs> yeah so yeah harsh. So, that, so, so, harsh. That, so you know when you talk about distancing yourself and then um Something that was um one of the topics I was thinking about for last episode, which was the stuff that comes out with Eddie Redmayne, where he's kind of mm. like distanced himself from the Danish girl because you know people were saying like yeah it should have been a trans person that was acting in this role, and you know Brittany Daniels was the person I played the trans and essentially like she was just you know her it was just a woman and she just had like a prosthetic like penis like and tight pants on you know and also you know after seeing the thing with eddie redmayne you know obviously that's not something i would fly today so yeah obviously they've done stuff in the past that they've distanced themselves from but it just again shows you their ability to adapt with time and not lose quality yeah and they addressed that like halfway through the series that was like season seven where like um pretty damn that the character um they actually never gave her a name, right? It was an, it was always this colder trait, which is not accepted. We can't say trans no, anymore. Yeah, she had a name. I, I don't remember it either. But she got married, and like that was like season seven. It was like halfway, you know. And they addressed it then. They were and became to and became parents, and it was probably yeah. it was how long? And a black man. Yeah, and it, it um it, it showed. It was probably like the first time you ever seen like a a couple with uh. I mean, obviously, it was a woman playing a trans person but it was the first time you've seen a trans woman and a man as a couple and being a, and and raising a family and nobody and that was not like a point of like concentration in the episode where you're like oh like should a trans person be a parent you know and at the time these are the things that people would be discussing or that would be the whole episode and it was just like um it was essentially like the twist on the season because obviously um Caitlin Olsen, she was, you know, her and Rob McInerney, they're married in real life. And I think they were having like their first child and she was pregnant. So, you know, and shows they make the character pregnant. And, you know, it's always something in Philadelphia likes to, you know, be subversive with that type of thing, like uh go over like the sitcom tropes, you know, like Rob McInerney. You know, he 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 was thinking to himself, you know, yeah. in shows, 
in in television production, the show's first season compared to his last season, the characters and the actors start to look better because they're more, they ha- you know, the show gets more money. The actors are higher paid. So he tried to do the opposite where like he starts off like as a regular, like, you know, skinny fit dude. And then he kind of like gets fat between seasons. Like, and when I say fat, it's like he put on like a hundred pounds. Um, but she was pregnant and the way they wrote it in was that Sweet D was just pregnant and people like the whole season, people were trying to figure out who the father was. And then come to find out end of the season, um, spoiler alert, she was carrying, she was being a surrogate for um, that couple. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, uh, I've gained and lost 60 pounds in three months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I'm going to get to the new episodes. Uh, I just, I wanted to bring up the first season because the first episode that aired, that they the first one they aired was the gang gets racist, you know, and like uh, Charlie says, like the N word, and it's like crazy. Like, you, this would never, you know, this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one is Charlie gets an abortion. Abortion is, we're talking about it today. It might be, a, they're talking about it right now, the Supreme Court. This is, 50, you know, like 16 years ago. Um, I mean, if it, when the show first aired, uh, gay marriage was still talking about, it was still on the table too, which is crazy. Uh, but all the different episodes, the titles are very, you know, jarring, you know, Mac Banks, a tranny and things like that. Very, very abrasive. They were outsiders. Uh, they adapted, you know, the show evolved. Um, yeah, but then my whole point, this is, I'm excited for the rest of the season. I looked up like the, the rest of the season. Um, they already have all the titles and everything. So um, I feel like it's going to be a very self-reflective season especially with them doing the podcast i think they recorded the podcast like while they were before they wrote the new season like while they were doing it so i think they're like in the mind of like all right let's let's talk about this uh which is interesting because um uh, first the first episode was actually the year the 2021 that's that's when that aired and uh which is interesting because the last season ended uh right like you know a couple months before 2020 the whole like lockdown and everything and um it's just unique um it's very atypical uh it's different structure of always something that we're used to because uh it seemed very high concept you know it was like you're talking about 2020 and you know again if you're listening to this and you're a fan you have you watched it obviously but they kind of inter- interweaved all the different um characters into all like the major events in 2020 kind of like the super bowl episode where like they put them into like a real life scenario but each character ha- has their own little um you know like a pl- uh, little subplot of things that influence the election of you know, the 2020 election uh i was actually wrong the, the surprise ending i thought it was gonna be something else but i got you know that was good um but i really want to focus on the uh the lethal weapon seven um because that's a perfect example of them being very self-reflective and um while they have the ability because i think the show's going to keep going they're, they're always just going because this is like their this is like their like it's their family now you know like the, all three of them met their wives on the show pretty much i think so this is like family you know because like mm-hmm. glenn you know maybe she was already with him and then she became like a cast member uh glenn's uh, wife but she's the one the dentist system she's that's his uh that's his wife yeah so yeah. um you know um yeah, it seems like this is like they they branch out and they come back home. You know, they come back to their uh, you know always sunny, which is yeah, great. Yeah. And it was interesting too because I was looking at like Charlie Day and I, you know that's my boy and I've seen him. I think 
well, obviously outside of like Dan and DeVito, but I think I've seen him in stuff outside of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, more than anyone else. Uh, like I'm looking at him, I'm like, oh, Charlie's starting to get like wrinkles. Yeah. Well, he was always kind of like a pudgy. He was a skinny. He was always skinny fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Glenn, I, I anytime I see Glenn, uh, Glenn Howerton and anything else like new, it's him like in a horror movie getting killed. <laughs> Something yeah, weird. Yeah. I'm like, like, oh man. Um, no, but I'm only talking about this because um, the two episodes, I think maybe at least one of them, I think maybe two of the Lethal Weapon episodes were taken from uh, streaming services. And we talked about this a year ago. Mm-hmm. And the other shows that, the other series that had the same situation was like 30 Rock and that's been off the air. Uh, what happened? Tina Fey just made a, little, made a little blurb. She made a little press release saying, oh, you know, it was a different time. I apologize for this. Mm-hmm. But these guys, they're doing a, a big production and they're able to make art out of it. You know? uh, it's, it's funny to me because... Like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Both episode, both episodes, it's very like self. It's it's it was very self aware because mm-hmm. the first one obviously they talked about like the blackface was the first. The first one no, was the one while it was no. still working, walking when they were when um Charlie and and um B were working at the school or was that the second one? Um, four. The no, Weebleven Five was. Um, the one with at the school, the Juggalos. Yeah. So and then six, they made like two years ago. So while while they were making it, they were discussing like the block. You know, they they talked about it while like in in between showing scenes from the movie, like they were talking about like um like Dennis is like telling Mac like I told you not to wear blackface and like they they had to switch characters and then like Dennis just played it as a white guy like his. His um Murtaugh, Danny Glover was just him putting on a fake mustache. And yeah. then by the end of the episode, um, because Charlie and, and D were working, Charlie was working at a janitor and then he thought he was kind of gonna be like the janitor from like Rudy and you know, take a kid under his wing and keep it up, 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 up. <laughs> keep it up, keep it up. And they showed the um they sh- they had D took the her class, her drama class to watch the movie and she got fired for that and then he uh charlie took the kid the juggalo kid to watch the movie to kind of get him out of like the juggalo shit and then he shows up in the principal's office in blackface so it was referential in the way that it's like yeah like these like doing this negative stuff could influence future generations like they might not learn from it um so you shouldn't do it going forward and that's what i'm saying like they're very self-aware they do comedy in a way that's like kind of like a like con- like social commentary but it's funny and it's not oh my god we can't do this anymore Da-da-da-da-da. it's like no we can't do it this anymore but we're gonna you know make fun of us doing what it is that we're getting policed on yeah but even if but last thing i'll say about going back to the older episodes at the time they were doing uh, satire 30 Rock and the other shows like Tropic Thunder, to me, that shit wasn't funny. Like they weren't uh, always telling we're doing like a kind of like a, a layered thing back then. So this is even more layered because uh, at the end of the episode, I mean, like, let's, make, it, let's make eight. Let's make eight. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, it's it's funny that you brought up like Tropic Thunder because I think like amongst like I saw it and like amongst my friends and my black friends, like we actually like found 
Robert Downey Jr. to be funny. But then fast forward now, like a lot of people was like, oh, like and I think black people still find him like funny. Um like still found our character funny, but the you know, the people themselves, they've policed themselves and they kind of made reference to that in the first episode, you know, where like Mark does this whole spiel about, oh, we shouldn't do this anymore. And this is why we shouldn't do it. And then he pauses and then like, it seemed like you were about to say something. I was like, no, I was waiting for you yeah. to like applaud me. <laughs> yeah. I, I just like, I was just like, wow. Like they put that in the script. I, like it was just great. Cause that's, that's what happens. A lot of people, you know, a lot of, you know, social justice warrior, I mean, or I think the 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 new term is just woke people. That's what they do. Where it's like, yeah, I'm gonna be an ally, but I want like credit for being an ally rather than just doing it because it's like the right thing to do. And you've been saying that since we, the inception of the show. You always talk about that. Uh, yeah, and he was I like, always, I forget the word. The uh, it starts with a P. You always you bring it up often. Um, and he performative, was performative, and like he was like after you said that he was like you know I'm, I'm waiting for your applause and it was like why do you need applause because i'm doing it and mm-hmm. then like the gang's like no nah, like you don't get applause for that you should be doing it or you shouldn't be getting applause for that and it's like so then why am i doing it yeah um, i was like all right okay let's move on <laughs> but it's great though like the whole thing with them going back and watching old episodes over again we uh, had a great opportunity to see uh, an old character that hasn't been shown. I think showed one time. This was like 15, 12 years ago. Pepper Jack. Yeah. He was fucking great in the episode. Pepper Jack. Holy shit. He was amazing in the episode, man. That actor is amazing. Yeah, me, me and my boy. Actually, the first person, uh, my boy Dan, shout out Dan. Um, in college, we used to say that we used to always say that shit to each other. Ooh, Pepper Jack, love Fraggle Rock. I was like, yeah, it was definitely one of those. Um, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, Rick Dalton pointing at the screen. Oh, it's Pepper Jack. Yeah, but it was uh, it was excellent though. Um, uh, and then like they went through the whole thing, like you know, the woman playing him, and then just whatever, whatever. Um, and they mentioned like Danny DeVito played an Native American. You know, they mentioned that because I want to bang her though. So they were still yeah. talking about because okay, I'm not saying out of nowhere. I've been saying they've been doing this the whole time where they've been adapting constantly. A couple of years ago, uh, they did the Me Too episode, which was great. Time's up. Remember, <laughs> Dennis yeah. is like time's up. They were already talking about things they did that were, you know, which is great. Uh, hopefully, um, people get it. I think this could, could this be the year they get nominated. I don't know. Um, if they get nominated, then they're gonna then that's it. Then, then they jump the shark. They can't win. Yeah. But Jeffrey Owens. Alvin, you know, from uh, Cosby show, mm-hmm. he flipped it on him. And like, you know, he was always like a joke. He played, you know, he also did the entire Wednesday. Don yes, Cheadle, I, was play, but what, I, I was confused why, um, was he playing Don Cheadle? Or was he yeah. him and they just called him Don Cheadle because he was black? No, I know. They go, we, you know, oh, we should get Don Cheadle. And then they're like, you know, John Don Cheadle. And he's like, no. And then they just got him. <laughs> But uh, it's funny but, how like he completely just flipped it on him. They made a whole documentary. He was like, "What was it? Uh, white saviors?" That is, it's interesting because um, honestly, got like a like I like seeing him and stuff because um, you know, one not you know the the stuff came out. I mean, I want to say the stuff came out, but somebody tried to like you know basically embarrass him because he was working at Trader Joe's right, um, right. out in Jersey, and it's actually like a Trader Joe's that my sister, and my brother in law frequent. 
and they you know they knew about it and they never told me like he worked there or anything like that um but they said he was always pleasant like if you asked him about the if he was like hey aren't you Alvin from um the Cosby show like he'd be very pleasant about it like he wouldn't be an asshole about it like essentially he was just working there like for the benefits everyone knows obviously for like actors it's hard and it's probably especially hard for black actors because I think as that episode was trying to portray that like there aren't many roles for black people in media um and you know it, it looks like that's starting to get rectified but he um you know he was very pleasant and you know uh, they were really like pissed off when people tried to like embarrass him because he, he's, uh, uh, you know, in them meeting him, like he's a really, really nice um, and cool individual. And they thought, you know, it was really unfair to him. But he's been apparent in a lot of stuff. He's gotten he, like, it's funny. They tried to embarrass him and he actually got like a whole bunch of roles from it. And even when that stuff came out, I was like, I, I was like, he was on the episode that he was playing Donovan McNabb. Yeah. That's great though. Um, and then they, they acknowledge it too. Um, they're like, we need to, we need to branch out. Uh, black people, we know we need to branch out. People under under tunnels. He's like, yeah, it was we like we only out. know criminals and people under the tunnel. Like, I mean, like, Seinfeld made that joke like twenty five, like thirty years ago too. They were like, um, George didn't know any black people. Like they made that joke like in like ninety four. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited. They, I I didn't realize they dropped two. I was like, oh, I gotta wait a week. I was like, all right, no two. All right, cool. Um, I'm excited. I think they'll they'll kind of like just move forward in the next couple episodes, and then maybe they'll have like a, another kind of uh, a high concept episode uh, and addressing you know just the society. I think they're gonna go more into like uh, kind of like when they get lost in the wood episodes type episodes. I think I have a feeling about that, um, but I, I'm 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 satisfied. Way more satisfied than the curbs, uh, like you said. Uh, curb is kind of underwhelming this year um best parts is with uh, uh jb smooth pretty yeah, much um, I, 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 under, every under, episode yeah every under, episode's about um, yeah what do i say break or oh, here's what i'm gonna say break breakthrough character um the funk man uh the successor to the funk man because you know obviously ben einstein passed away and they haven't killed off um, Funkhauser, the original Funkhauser yet, but they brought on his brother, Freddie Funkhauser, and he's been mm-hmm. played by Vince Vaughn. As interesting, old, like a former friend of mine, we always used to watch Vince Vaughn movies, and he was like, oh my God, I hate Vince Vaughn. Like, and not in like, I hate him, but like, it, uh, like, man, he doesn't shut up. Like, he talks too much. And I was just like, in watching the episodes, I'm like, this is like the perfect role for him. Like him having these like back and forth with Larry and um he had the back and forth with like um what's her name? Um Kaylee Coco. I don't know. Okay, oh, yeah, from uh, Big Bang. Yeah, and I'm like, this is like the perfect show for him to be on. Um just having him talk. And yeah, he's been a breakout character. So yeah, JB Smooth and um and Vince Vaughn as um uh, Freddie Funkhauser. I've it's been funny. like the breakthrough, the breakthrough characters this season. You know why? Because like both of them, he can say anything he wants. He can like fight each other. He can say like "fuck you," like that whole thing. All right, I'll see yeah. you tomorrow. Like, and it's the same thing with Vince Vaughn's character, where he's like, you think he's about to like curse him out, and then he's like, "Why, why are you wearing this? Why are you wearing the turtleneck thing? What do you know that?" All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Like it's like yeah, a very, very their relationship. You know, like him, you know him, him and Susie, like they have mm-hmm. the interactions where it's just like 
F you and F you back and da 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 da. But like Vince Vaughn, like when you know L- Larry has some kind of like etiquette about something, like Vince Vaughn, Vince Vaughn's character, Frankie, Fon- um, Freddie Funkhauser, he he's like, well, why do you do that? Da 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 da. Or like Funkhauser would have like some kind of etiquette or some kind of like you know, social thing and where Larry oversteps or something and then he and Larry get into it and that's been, like, the interesting thing. So, I don't know, maybe, like, this season was kind of like a test run or they could use that as a test run and, like, see what works and maybe, like, the next season, you know, probably have more episodes with, like, Freddie Funkhauser, more episodes with Leon. Um Cause even then, I think like they haven't like Leon's been like very like he's in the one scene like in the kitchen. That's yeah, like, like, everything then, they filmed has been in the house. Maybe he yeah. could only film a little bit. Maybe. Um, yeah, well, JB Smooth, man. Think about it though, COVID. Man, maybe he couldn't. He, yeah, yeah, he's doing big things. Big, uh, things, big hots. Give me my fucking the, the, uh, the charger. The mix, you know the, the charger. Never man. Yeah. No, but listen. Um. I'm going to wrap this up by saying that we just we were talking about Curb for a little while, but we were talking about Always Sunny. Uh, Always Sunny was influenced by Seinfeld and Curb, and they're both still on the air. They're airing the same week, you know, like new seasons. I think that's terrific. Um, Caitlin Olsen came from Curb. You know, that's where, that's where they saw mm-hmm. her, and he, like, they hired her. So when they, they did their anniversary thing, and she was like, thanks, boss. Thanks for the kids, and thanks for the job. You know, like, mm-hmm. Caitlin Olsen. Um, but, yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm glad that two of my favorite shows – since I was like, since I was in grammar school, you know, well, Curb, I, we were still in grammar, like elementary school and then like high school with, uh, so it's, you know, it was a show that I watched in college, you know, it was fun because we got, we liked the characters, you know, they, they were like, you get very, you get blackout drunk, you get reckless, you get, it's really, you're fun to watch, you know, Charlie, now we're, we're getting older, we're being more self-reflective and it's the same as the characters here, you know, they're 44, you know, they're about like a generation older than us, uh, but I'm glad that they're still on the air and then they're using their uh, platform to address a lot of things that uh not just in an interview they're they're addressing it with uh, their art and it's, it's still still funny and it's yeah. not like it's not off-putting right all right award of the week this is a favorite of mine because i've actually seen this person in person I she looked a lot better than i thought like she obviously had work done um but she looked a lot better in, in person than i thought she would um I went to Cleveland for a basketball game, and that's the only time I've ever been in Cleveland. I was there for, like, one night. Um, so if you ever hear me say bad things about Cleveland, it's based off of that experience. But order week this week is going to go to Khloe Kardashian for looking Ooh. the damn fool for the umpteenth time. And, you know, she's done that for um, several reasons, but the main reason has been her child's father um Tristan Thompson because Tristan Thompson anytime his, his name is trending um we know it ain't for basketball it's for cheating on Khloe Kardashian and allegedly he got a personal trainer pregnant um and it's crazy because like I, I didn't even know that like he was still like, I knew he was on a league, but I think the other day he had, like, some kind of, like, rant um, after a game about how his team, like, they're they're unserious or, like, you know, he was just railing against his team for just not um, being serious about the game. 
And the only thing I took away from the press conference was that, like, I was like, Tristan Thompson plays for the Kings. Like, <laughs> I, I, I had no idea. Um, That's a D-League and, team. Yeah, and we we all know, like, a couple of years ago, or, yeah, like, a couple of years ago, uh, Jordan Woods, who's actually the girlfriend of another NBA player, um, Carl Anthony Towns, and oh my god she is gorgeous um but that's a story for another day but a couple years ago remember it was like a scandal where i guess like because she was friends with chloe's sister um kylie and i guess they were hanging out at the house they had people over and tristan thompson was there but i think like chloe wasn't there and tristan pulled Jordan Woods on his lap, like pulled her to sit on his lap, and somebody saw, and then they they got to um Chloe and told her that Jordan Woods was like sitting on um on was sitting on Tristan Thompson's lap. So it was basically like, oh, like she was trying to flirt, she was trying to take her man, or like she was trying to like, you know, um. You know, she was like basically like this Jezebel, and you know the truth came out, and that's obviously what happened. Where it was like, nah, she wasn't even remotely interested in Tristan Thompson. She knew that that was like her friend's um, sister's, you know, significant other and child's father, and it was him, like you know, being inappropriate. But what came of it, and what usually comes from women who feel like who are cheated on or feel like they're being cheated on, they attack the other woman instead of attacking mm. their man. And it was terrible because everybody had like Jordan Woods pegged out to be some kind of like groupie. And in reality, like, you know, she's somebody that's known in like Hollywood because I believe her father, um, I can't remember if he was a producer or he worked on like what capacity he worked on shows, but I know he worked on Fresh Prince and mm. essentially like Will Smith and Jada Pinkett are like her unofficial godparents. So they're like, you know, like like an auntie, an auntie and uncle to her. And they had to come and like kind of like because I believe like they brought Jordan on Red Table Talk and that's where she, you know, detail what actually happened um but she seems happy with carl anthony towns and you know and he's a guy who needs you know i i I need to see happy because he's been through a lot he lost his mom um to covid last year and he's lost a couple other family members to covid and you know we've been talking about the vaccination and all this anti-vax stuff and I feel bad for him that there's, you know, players like Kyrie Irving and this person and that person who were taking like an anti-vax stance and just, you know, willing to go out there and play unsafe after this man, you know, sacrifice, you know, well, I want to say sacrifice, but loss, you know, people very close to him because I couldn't even imagine, you know, not going to losing a parent. Um but back to Khloe Kardashian, you know, she was really like, you know, she's been playing a fool. Like everybody seen every time it pops up, like Tristan Thompson's like cheating on her. He's caught in a club with another girl. 
and she just goes back or she acts mad at him like for like a week and then they're on Instagram with each other and I understand it because like they have a child together but I mean like how many times are you gonna look the damn fool like you could move on like you could co-parent you could find like there's plenty of rappers because we know you've been with rappers there's plenty of athletes uh black celebrities like you can move on with because clearly he moves on every other week to quote that spike lee joint there's a lot there's plenty of good men out there there's good bus drivers out there <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good man good man you have a good job good union job settle down why don't you settle down because uh that's funny um yeah uh, good podcast host you know should i die hey why here? not yeah i'll be raising your child Come here, but i'll look at mine <laughs> Yeah, she's a shout, yeah. shout out to OJ Simpson for having good genes. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Allegedly, right? allegedly, allegedly. All right. Uh, so yeah, order week goes to Chloe Kardashian for looking the damn fool for the umpteenth time. And that has been award of the week. Mike, what's your final thoughts for episode well, 79? Final thoughts, episode 79. Uh, we talked about uh, always sunny, it's been on my mind. Um, very self-reflective. It's what I was hoping for, not just throwaway episodes where they're just trying to like get shit out there. Cause it seems like for a while they were kind of just like going through the motions and having a lot of other people write the episodes, which is great. You know, they give a lot of work to uh, up and coming writers and a lot of uh, female writers and stuff. Uh, Rob McElhinney big into that. If you, uh, here's a show on Apple, uh, Apple, whatever, their Apple streaming thing. All the writers are like uh, people of color and like women and like queer and all that. So he's he's very forward thinking with that, which is great. Um, but with with the new season, they have the ability. Oh man, they have the ability to uh, be self reflective and also still be themselves and like funny and um, be be uh, authentic. And we talked about this in the summer. Friends. What's the thing they say about friends now with the next generation? The next generation. Uh, they say it didn't age well. You know, they said friends didn't age well. Like you know with. Uh, Chandler Bing, his mom, they didn't appreciate a lot of the fat jokes with Monica. Uh, and they had a reunion. Okay, so they had an opportunity to address all that. And they did it, yeah. right? We talked about yeah. it in the episode. Yeah, yeah so Should that I was check like- Check it out on YouTube. Yeah, 15 years later. Um, but they're still rocking and rolling and they have the ability to, uh, I don't see them stopping for a long time. Same with Curve. He went away for like 10 years and he came back. Uh, these guys, I feel like they'll be- uh, using their art using this platform because it's uh kind of like uh, again they were outsiders and i appreciate that uh they just took a camera out if you watch if you listen to the podcast you see that they were part of a little community in new york and philly and then la they just took a camera and started making little videos pre-social media and they would pass it around and then they made hey let's just do this for real and then they send it out on a vhs vhs tape to fx and then they gave them the money to make it um it's very much like a prototype or a uh, yeah, like a prototype of like how people do YouTube videos now, and then they get a deal from that. And these guys were doing it like almost twenty years ago. So shout out to Always Sunny. Um, they're my guys, my girls too. Um, with um, the MLB, that's when I started watching baseball with the, the strike. And I remember like it was like ninety six, and ticket prices were so low. Of course, in New York, the, the Yankees were the shits, you know, for like fifteen years. But I went to like so many games because like people weren't going, they weren't interested anymore. Um, so I was able to go to like 20 games in 96 and that was the year they won uh, in 96. So uh, hopefully um, we don't have to wait too long for the next season, but um, 
if so, if people get bored of it and they're like kind of like annoyed, hey, maybe there'll be some tickets we can go go to a bunch of bleacher games next summer because uh, it's been too long. Um, gotta gotta get back out to the stadium. Uh, but yeah, that's my final thoughts for that. Oh yeah, uh, I'm gonna start doing some more picks for movies because I'm back in the theaters. I saw this great film, uh, show I recommend to you when it's out in uh, streaming. Uh, just check it out. It's called Belfast. Okay, it's not your typical movie about uh, the troubles in Ireland. If you're familiar with that, late 60s, early 70s, the IRA and the uh, British and the uh, Catholic versus Protestant. Okay, so I was watching the movie and it's layered though. It's seen through the eyes of a like a 10 year old boy and him and his brother watch TV. And um, they use this whole uh, allusion to Wild West. And you know how me and you love like, we like Wild West, we did the whole Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, so like they, they uh, kind of like symbolically, there's a scene where he's watching like an old uh, John Wayne movie and they kind of p- parallel that with this bug in their little neighborhood who want, who's pressuring them to uh, join up with their um, Protestant group that's trying to uh, kick out the Catholics. And it's so well done. Uh, so just check out Belfast. It came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I can see it being nominated for like, I'm not sure, maybe like foreign or uh, just like the best foreign film because it's Northern Ireland. But I ch- check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So Enos Cantor, um, I was very disappointed in his auctions um, as a Nick fan. Um, used to being very disappointed in his play. Um, but you know how it is. Uh, Fox News on the right, they're gonna try to make it out to be like he's like the second coming of Wilt Chamberlain. Um, if they even know who Wilt Chamberlain is, and we all know that ain't the case, uh, just because he's you know promoting their anti black and you know basically American scare tactics, you know, because you know what they probably try to do when they bring somebody like Cantor, who's you know a former foreigner um turned american citizen and just you know doing a don king waving the american flag every time he's on tv you know they try to um push the narrative that like oh yeah like you should love america because you know somebody like him escapes their country to come here and they love it here but you know he grew up where he grew up and i think i tweeted the same thing where i was just like you know in china and Turkey, there's probably a bunch of people because it ain't like those places are like ghost towns. There's probably a good segment of society where it's like, yeah, everything's great. You know, everything's fine. Like the government ain't, you know, didn't do anything to us. So why are you complaining? And basically it's the same thing that goes on here. You know, people on Fox News, yeah, cops are great because they don't kill us. We see that they're killing you, but you know what? For the most part, they're keeping our neighborhood safe. So you should stop complaining, which is odd. But the beauty of America is the first thing um, that's in the Constitution or the First Amendment is, you know, it's freedom of speech. Like, you have a right to voice your displeasure. Like people on Fox News, they voiced their displeasure all between 2008 to 2000 to 2016. And they're going to voice their displeasure from 2020 
2024 or beyond because that's their right. That's the freedom of the press and that's, that's their freedom to kind of push this narrative. But, you know, Black Lives Matter and any kind of protesters, they have the right to also speak their minds and it doesn't, it, it shouldn't have a person like Guinness Cantor telling you, like, you should be grateful. I mean, are things better than they were like a hundred years ago? Yeah, but are they that much better? No, because people are still getting lynched. You know, they're just not doing it with ropes and they're not, you know, having picnics and stuff afterwards, but it's still happening. And, you know, you still have radicalized kids like, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse. And then this past week, we didn't even really get into it. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like, I didn't really look into it too much. You had a kid out in Michigan shot three of his classmates. You know, who's to say that kind of had, you know, he was kind of influenced by Kyle Rittenhouse. And then his parents were one that um, basically uh, either influenced or been supportive of his behavior um, which is disturbing, but the beautiful thing is that they've been arrested too as like co-conspirators. Um, but that's that's all I'm gonna say about that. Which is um when more stuff comes out, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more. Um, it's always sunny. Uh I love that it was back. I got it re- recorded. So I'm gonna watch it like every week when I come home from work. Um both episodes were really, really good. Surprisingly, you know, one is probably good and the other one is okay. It's very rare that both are really, really good, but it just speaks to the standard that it's always on these sets where it's just like they're so talented in writing. And um, I don't know if Fred Savage directed any of the episodes, but he's oh no, I have it. I have it open right now. I could actually tell you. I know that they, both episodes were written by the the, the trio. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. It, it speaks volumes, but they have great, some really good direction. Um, but I do know, like, Fred Savage, he, he directs a majority of episodes. And we talked about the whole series, so it speaks to him how great he is. Um, MLB, you know, I'm hoping it, it comes. It, it, it isn't, like, a long lockout. I mean, they've had, uh, oh. they've had 26 years of labor peace. Um you know, I, I don't know, man. I, it, it's just weird to me when a lot of people take the side of the owners, um, especially when revenue is a lot greater now because you have all these different media outlets. There's so much stuff now in the stadiums. Um, on top of that, they started, uh, I think MLB started a relationship with like some of these betting companies, which is... um. Which is crazy because there's people that's banned for life from baseball because of betting, but they have a, a relationship. But again, that story is one of the day. Hopefully, the MLB lockout doesn't um doesn't take too long. Um, and as far as the show goes, uh, check out our YouTube channel. Sugar reviews the brews, of course, every week, every Thursday. I've been having trouble with um the the images so i haven't been posting them on our instagram or on social media and stuff like that but if you're subscribed they're there if you're interested i know it's kind of niche um but outside of that you know we have all of our other great videos um 
you know, appreciating John Hughes. We have the whole series, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And a show, uh, a story time actually dropped um, recently. If you haven't checked that out, check it out now. Uh, I mean, check it out as soon as you can. And there's one coming up around Christmas time. So you can check that one out. And this has been episode 79 of Shug Mira Mooney. Shug Mira Mooney. Shug Mira Mooney.